Just like we expected, the New Orleans Saints Michael Thomas contract is an absolute masterpiece. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the newest episodes. Make sure you join the subtext as well. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Saints to get one-on-one with me and inside scoops as we go throughout the season. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesday is on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. If you've ever wanted to be a football GM or manage a football franchise, then this is the mobile game for you. You can find it on, at uh, ultimate-gm.com or just search the app store for Ultimate Pro Football GM. Locked on listeners are going to get a 100% instant boost to your franchise by simply entering the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. I'll tell you more about them later, but on today's episode, we have our midweek mock draft. We're going to go through and draft best player available. I'll tell you who I drafted based upon uh, average draft pick and kind of the best value that I could get based on all of the other mock draft users out there, but also give you who I would select at each one of those picks. So we kind of get a little bit of a double mock draft going on for you because, you know, we like to get crazy here on Locked on Saints. Uh, We'll also take a look at the Saints being set for some premium comp picks, how that all works out and how many they're in line for. But first, Michael Thomas's contract. The incentive heavy deal that we all expected is yet another Kai Harley masterpiece. Yet another Mickey Loomis masterpiece. He's led another New Orleans Saints masterpiece. So I brought some visual aids today. So if you're not watching over on YouTube and you get a little bit lost in the contract talk, don't worry, I'm going to take my time going through it. But if, if you need a little bit of help, we're going to have some visual aids over on YouTube as well. So let's start off here just by breaking down what the incentives on this contract are, because really the incentives make up the kind of bulk of the contract. And then we'll regroup everything to show you kind of where this $15 million deal really stands for Michael Thomas. So the New Orleans Saints got Michael Thomas to accept a new deal with them that is effectively a one-year deal. It's technically a two-year deal, but I'll I'll highlight the effectively part of that here in a little bit, but it is a low base salary, low signing bonus, and then a bunch of incentives go that are up there. So this can go from being effectively like a $6.26 million deal to being a $15 million deal. Here's how it all breaks up. So the first thing that you're going to see on this contract are performance incentives. So this goes uh, pretty much like a, a little bit of money per, or not a little bit, I mean, a lot of money. I'll take one of these incentives as my annual salary, but you get these incentives for each sort of step within uh, performances, right? So that could be receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, all of that. Michael Thomas has all of these on his deal. So basically $250,000 per uh, for the first 100 receptions. Then he gets another $250,000 once he gets to 110, then another $250,000 when he gets to 120. So that's $750,000 total that he can make off of 120 receptions. So you can see that the first threshold is pretty high, but then 10 catches for each of those. Similarly, when it comes to yardage, 
The base here starts at 1,000 yards. That's another quarter of a million dollars, 250,000. Then he gets another bonus at 1,150 yards and then another bonus at 1,300 yards. So that's another $750,000 in total. He gets another quarter million if he gets seven touchdowns and he gets half a million if the Saints win a Super Bowl and he either gets 110 receptions or 11.5 thousand um, receiving yards, right? 1,150 receiving yards. So all told in terms of his performance incentives, he can stack up $2.25 million. You don't have to remember these numbers right now, but just letting you know how they all break up. Now, in terms of availability incentives, he's got a couple here, but they really work out. Basically, what you need to know here is that he gets $220,000 for each game that he is active, right? So remember that you have a 53-man roster, and then your game day roster is 46 that are allowed to be active. That could bump up to 47 this season if the uh, at the ownership meeting, there's a vote for like a third quarterback on the roster after the San Francisco playoff situation last year. So the main thing to know here is that if he's available for all 17 games this season and he is active on game day for all 17 games this season, it's an additional $3.74 million that he can add on top in incentives there. So those are his availability uh, bonuses. Then he has his awards incentives here. So his awards incentives put him in a situation to where based on his post, like kind of postseason awards, he could see more and more incentives there. So he gets a quarter million dollars if he's on the initial Pro Bowl selection, not if he's an alternative or anything like that, or an alternate. If he's in uh, initial Pro Bowl selection and the Saints have to make the postseason in that case in order for him to get that quarter million. So there's a couple of little stipulations there. He gets a half million if he is on the AP All-Pro first team um, uh, uh, roster or or you know AP first team. Then he gets a million dollars if he wins Offensive Player of the Year again, like he did back in 2019, half million dollars for NFL MVP, half million dollars for Super Bowl MVP. So that's an additional $2.75 million. Now let's add all of those up just to make things a little bit uh, kind of easier for you. So in terms of performance total, $2.25 million. Availability total, $3.75 million. Award total, $2.75 million. All told, that is a total amount of incentives that he can pick up at $8.74 million. So you add that to his $1.26 million base salary and a $5 million signing bonus that he will get if he passes his physical, and that's a total of $15 million. So this contract could be as little as $1.26 million because he doesn't pass his physical and doesn't get the signing bonus. It could be uh, sorry, $6.26 million, meaning that he goes out there and in week one, he gets injured. Week three, he gets injured. He never hits 100 receptions. He never hits, you know, a thousand receiving yards. All of those things never gets the postseason awards, never gets the team success. All of those things. It would just be $6.26 million, which is not a bad amount of money to spend on the upside of what you could get with a Michael Thomas. Now, where things get a little bit complicated is that if Michael Thomas is on the roster in 2024, the third day of the new league year, there's a bunch of bonuses, roster bonuses that kick in for 2024. So this is very much like what the Saints had with his contract where he had you know, a $31.7 million roster bonus if he was still on the roster on the third league, you know, third day of the league year of 2023, that would have kicked in for 2024. The way that this deal works is that there are roster bonuses of $31.7 million, $28.7 million, and $58.6 million that all get triggered on certain dates if he lands on the roster. So basically what this means is that the Saints will have him on the roster throughout 2023. 
The new league year of 2024 begins, and three days after that is kind of the deadline to either move on from them or restructure a new contract. And remember, this was the setup going into 2023, right? There was this $31.7 million roster bonus. It was an additional $30 million roster bonus if he appeared in four games in 2023. Those things no longer exist because they reworked the deal. So now you look at where that, you know, the rest of those bonuses uh, kind of pop up, which is at the, the third day of the 2024 league year. There's your next opportunity to restructure the contract, renegotiate the contract. Doesn't mean that he won't be on the roster in 2024, as we learned here in 2023, but does mean that you have to address that contract again, at least before then. So Michael Thomas could make up to $15 million this offseason, which would include a Super Bowl win, Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, all of that. Or he plays a you know regular season like what he played, let's say, his first year where he had over 100 catches, just over 1,000 yards, and he walks away with a bonus of around you know $3 million or so, 3 to $4 million. So the Saints could get really, really good production here and have a 92 catch, you know, or 84 catch, 900 yard, six touchdown performance, and they probably don't pay a dime in terms of those incentives. So there's a lot of different ways that this contract can roll out, but I think the Saints have done a wonderful, wonderful job here. And another tip of the hat to Kai Harley and the New Orleans Saints as well. Coming up next, how do comp picks work and how many do the New Orleans Saints have? Well, they've got some premium ones on the way, potentially. So we'll get to that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. It is the number one sports book in all of America. You don't want to miss it. So whether you want to get in on NFL futures, you want to get in on the NBA, you want to get in on the women's basketball tournament, the men's basketball tournament in college, there's so much for you to check out. And you can do so by heading over to fanduel.com slash locked on, where you can also get yourself a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. It's bonus bets that come back if your first bet doesn't win. Once again, you can get that at fanduel.com slash locked on. So you can get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. How do compensatory picks in the NFL work? How are they doled out? And how many do the New Orleans Saints have? We're breaking that down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day every day as well. So let's jump into this here because this is part of our series that we usually do over the course of the offseason called Midweek Fundamentals, which just kind of explains some things around how the NFL works. We look at things like uh, signing bonuses, which we broke down earlier this year, incentives, and kind of consider a little bit of what we just did in that first segment, a part of this as well. But today we're talking about comp picks, right? And we'll do other things too, like coverages and routes and route trees and all those other things. Uh, but here's how comp picks kind of work in the NFL. And you can find a little bit of a kind of overview of this by looking at the compensatory pick formula, either in the CBA, it's listed there, or you can head over to overthecap.com and they have a really quick explainer as well, which is what I'm going to use here because it's really good and footnoted. So make sure you go and check that out overthecap.com slash compensatory dash formula if you want to check it out, or you can just navigate through their through their menu. So the Saints are in, in line for two premium compensatory picks, potentially a third compensatory pick as well in next season. So the way the compensatory picks work is that as player contracts expire, that's really key. If you cut a player or if a contract voids, all those other things, uh, things can get a little bit dicey in terms of that. But if, if if a player's contract just expires or voids, then it's okay. But if you cut them, release them, waive them, whatever, 
it doesn't. It, it's not a big deal. It's not a part that actually factors into the compensatory pick formula. So for instance, Derek Carr didn't count against the Saints compensatory pick formula because he was released by the Raiders. His contract didn't just expire. So when you look at players instead, like let's say, you know, for the Saints, Shy Tuttle was somebody whose contract expired, went and signed a deal with another team. So therefore he qualifies as what's called a compensatory free agent. And there's a point at which after the draft, you're no longer a compensatory free agent, which is why the Tyron Matthew signing last year didn't cost the Saints a pick. It didn't factor into their compensatory pick formula because he waited until after that period was done to sign the contract. So here's how players are designated what value pick they can get. You can only get third through seventh round picks. You can't get a first or second compensatory pick. So what it is basically is that the team or the NFL takes a list of average per year rankings, right? And so there's, you know, might be 2000 plus players that are all on this list that are under contract. Some of them are tied with one another. All of that have the same contract value, everything. So you would probably expect there to be like around 1900 different uh, contracts out there, right? Rankings. And so if you have the highest number one contract, they take the inverse of that. So in, for instance, let's say Aaron Rodgers, let's use him as an example, right? If his contract were to expire and then he signed, he is 1,968th amongst all contracts in the NFL. So, uh, oh, sorry, he is number one out of 1,968 different contracts across the NFL. So because of that, his APY points would be 1,968, just the inverse of, of where you place. You're also then also given one point per each percentage of snaps that you played. To make that a little bit easier, 95% of snaps played, 95 points. 85% of snaps played, 85 points. 75% of snaps played, 75 points. Real easy, one-to-one ratio there. Then you're given either 20 or five points based upon whether or not you're being honored by uh, AP All-Pro or PFWA on-field rewards or awards, excuse me. So then everything is kind of broken out by the percentage, right? Top 5% of those values get a third round pick. Uh, 10 to 6% get a fourth round pick. Uh, 15 to 11% get a fifth round pick, so on and so forth. And so the lowest being 35%. So 35 to 24% will get that seventh round pick. So then that's changed because it used to be previously like 50%. And then when the new CBA was redone in 2011, that changed. So it kind of upped the standard a little bit. So now out of all of the picks that are given, you have sort of a cutoff of, of those points, right? So you can see how many of those different picks could potentially go there, all those other things. So for a team like the New Orleans Saints, who have seen guys like David Onyemata and Shai Tuttle and Andy Dalton and others end up signing elsewhere, and yes, they brought in some compensatory free agents as well, they have been able to still bring in uh, some compensatory picks over the course, or so far what's expected, right? Those won't become finalized until much, much, much later this offseason. But just looking at the New Orleans Saints, Marcus Davenport qualified for a fourth round pick. David Onyemata qualified for a fourth round pick as well. So that means that their contracts were in that 10 to 5 or 10 to 6% of points awarded based on how many snaps they played, where they ranked as average per year contract last year, um, you know, offseason, end of year awards. Obviously, neither of those guys got any. And then the Saints also still qualify for a sixth round pick for Caden Ellis, who went and signed with the, um, with the Atlanta Falcons. So when you look at where all of these players kind of are, 
Nathan Shepard, the Saints that the, the defensive tackle that the Saints signed, he cancels out the Shy Tuttle pick. Colin Saunders cancels out the Andy Dalton pick. And then Jamal Williams cancels out the Deontay Hardy pick. So right now the Saints are in line for two fourth round picks next year, as well as a sixth round pick. And I don't think that the recent signings of Storm Norton nor Lonnie Johnson are going to end up impacting the Saints in any of those picks because they're going to come in at well below those compensatory pick formulas because they're very likely going to be one-year vet minimum deals. Now, if the Saints were to give one of them a $3 million deal or a $4 million deal, then that can have an impact, right? As we we mentioned in yesterday's episode, CJ Garner-Johnson got what is effectively a one-year $6.5 million deal because you take the raw sort of base of the contract, not the uh, potential incentive contract. That one that that one year six and a half million dollar deal only got the Philadelphia Eagles a six round compensatory pick. So the Saints could potentially be in a situation here to where if they give somebody a little bit too much money and they can get let's say a seventh round comp pick, it might cancel out the sixth, but their two fourths would be safe. So there's a lot of different ways that they could potentially end up adding players here without ever really jeopardizing those two fourth round picks that they could have in 2024. So if anybody ever asks you. How is it that comp picks are determined? Tell them in a, with a very complicated formula <laughs> for picks a year in advance. That's basically based on contract value on average per year, percentage of snaps played, and end of year awards. That's basically your three criteria. And then there's percentage points. There's you know upper percentage points or percentiles that are sort of divvied up to be third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, depending on all of that. So. Uh, that's the way the compensatory picks work. Those are the ones that the Saints are currently in line for, uh, according to Over the Cap, and we'll see how many of those actually get awarded. Because whatever you're in line for, there's only so many comp picks that are actually doled out each season, so it could end up being that you don't get one of those comp picks if there's too many fourth-round pick qualifiers out there, or too many sixth-round pick qualifiers out there that can have uh, that can have an impact. So we'll wait and see. Uh, and of course, more signings throughout the uh, the offseason here could potentially impact which ones they get as well. So there's your quick explainer. Hope that that was clear for you. Sorry, it's a lot of numbers today. Uh, I know we're going through it, but up next, we're going to have a lot of fun. Midweek mock draft. I went best player available based on average draft pick so that we're taking into account what a lot of folks do around these sort of areas of the draft. So you're going to get a mock draft of average uh, draft pick, best player available, but also I'll tell you which ones I w- which players I would have picked with that same selection based upon the way that the mock worked out. So we're going to kind of do a little bit of dueling mocks here as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM. If you've ever wanted to be a general manager, manage your own football franchise, then this is the mobile game for you. My guy Kyle Krabs over at Locked on Dolphins and Locked on NFL Scouting uh, is like in year 2170 with the Carolina Panthers, and they have still not won a Super Bowl. And just a couple of days ago, Adam Thielen said that he believes the Carolina Panthers can win a Super Bowl. And let me tell you, if Kyle Krabs can't get a Super Bowl win for the Carolina Panthers in 100 plus years um, on a video game, then I doubt that Adam Thielen and the Carolina Panthers are winning a Super Bowl during his contract. But that's just me. If you want to manage a franchise all the way into 2170 and see how many Super Bowls you could potentially win before the Carolina Panthers actually win a Super Bowl, Ultimate Pro Football GM is for you. And don't forget, you're going to get a 100% free boost to your franchise by using the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On in all caps for your 100% free boost to your franchise in the game store. You can find it by going to ultimate-gm.com or searching Ultimate Pro Football GM 
in your app store today. Once again, that is Ultimate Pro Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's get it. Who that Nation rabbit of today's episode of Locked on Saints with a midweek mock draft where we went best player available based on average draft pick. I'll tell you who I selected and who I would have selected if I wasn't abiding by the rules. So a couple different things that I set up here is that I tried not to double up at any position and I eliminated quarterbacks from this because, you know, Stetson Bennett in the fifth round might be something that other people are doing. It is not a thing that I'm going to do. So let's take a look at what this average draft pick BPA or best player available draft looked like. We'll run through this first and then I'll circle back around. With the first pick in round one, I went with, or not the first pick, 29th pick in round one, I went with edge rusher Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Round two, pick 40, wide receiver Josh Downs out of North Carolina. Defensive interior, I got to a tackle, got to attack next. Uh, Keanu Benton, Wisconsin, pick number 71, round three. That's the one place where I did double up on the position was defensive tackle because it feels like a place where you could double up. Uh, round four, pick 115, tight end Luke Schoonmaker. I'm going to mess that up all the time, uh, out of Michigan. Then I went KJ Henry, the edge rusher out of Clemson at 146. At 165, I went with Moro Ajomo, the defensive interior, interior defensive lineman out of Texas. Uh, at 227, I went with a running back that I haven't really scouted very much, but I, I watched him because I saw where his ADP was for this. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson out of Texas Tech. We'll break him down in just a second. And then at round two, pick 257. So we got the, got the correct comp pick here. Uh, linebacker Benjamin, I'm oh, sorry, not Benjamin, just Ben Van Summerin out of Michigan State. I want to show you his RAS when we get to him and then I'll and, and we'll look at that and that's going to that's going to tell you everything you need to know. So let's let's kind of go through these and break them all down. Nolan Smith out of Georgia, excellent pass rusher, fantastic piece of what was an amazing defense in Georgia. Um simply put, he is not the New Orleans Saints uh uh prototype, right? And, and we kind of broke that down yesterday when we were talking about Frank Clark the last time that the Saints drafted an edge rusher that they intended to be an edge rusher, right? Like they moved Zach Bond to off-ball linebacker. Last time they drafted an edge rusher they intended to be an edge rusher that came in at less than 260 pounds was Al-Qadeen Muhammad back in 2017. So could the Saints say, you know what, throw the prototype out of the window, this guy would be massively impactful. I think that could be wise, right? Especially because you want an athletic edge rusher that could help seal the edge against mobile quarterbacks. Nolan Smith could be that guy. So I would be happy to go with Nolan Smith, but just knowing kind of what the Saints like and don't like at the position, I guess what I'll say is that what I would go for instead with that knowledge is Antonio Johnson, the uh, safety out of Texas A&M. Saints just signed Lonnie Johnson Jr. out of uh, Kentucky, spent some time with the Chiefs, spent some time with the Titans, as well as with the Houston Texans. Um, and you know, look, he's clearly going to be somebody that's going to be used kind of in the PJ Williams role to where he's moved around a bunch. He talked about the versatility when we did his, uh, intro presser, he spoke about the attacking defense, how much he's excited to be with a, an, a, a defense that will be able to fully utilize his skills, all of those things. So expect him to move around all over the place, but I don't know if he's going to be a starter for you in this system, right? But a guy like Antonio Johnson could be, especially with Marcus May, even though his, um, aggravated assault, alleged aggravated assault trial or, 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 you know, charge has been refused and that's been thrown out of court. He still has a DUI suspension that's potentially on the way. So we'll learn more about that later on this month, actually. So I would have gone with Antonio Johnson here as opposed to Nolan Smith, but we were playing by the rules. Uh, Josh Downs was the next pick there. Josh Downs, I think is an excellent wide receiver. I probably here at round two would have gone with 
Atatomo Atabare, get the edge rusher that you really, really like. Uh, but I could also see going with Josh Downs. Like, I don't really have a problem going with Josh Downs in the second round. You could make maybe uh, an argument for Luke Musgrave, the um, the tight end out of Oregon State. So you get another big bodied pass catcher, super athletic guy there. But I still got the athletic tight end later on. So I'm not super worried about that. So that's maybe the one thing that I kind of would have done a little bit differently there. But I'm also perfectly happy going with Josh Downs uh, out of UNC, especially in the second round. With the Keanu Benton selection at 71, I probably would have gone Tajay Spears here, knowing that I could have gotten a run-stopping defense interior defensive lineman later on in the draft. This is probably where I go Tajay. Tajay ran what's being reported as a 447 at his pro day. I talked to a couple of scouts after the pro day as well. They confirmed 447 to 4.5. So somewhere in that range is where he ran that with that explosive vertical, that explosive broad jump, his his play on the field, his yards after contact his ability to catch out of the backfield. He was working with Joel Thomas forever, running a really, really, really complicated set of routes on air drills, and he nailed every single one of them. Like Dennis Allen was in attendance. Joel Thomas was in attendance, the running back coach. Mickey Loomis was in attendance. Everybody was there. And so seeing them work with Tajay, I think Tajay at 71 makes a lot of sense. Um, the next three selections here, I, I was actually perfectly fine with. Luke Shoemaker, um, KJ Henry, Moro Ajomo. Um, the, the tight end out of Michigan here, whose name I don't want to keep pronouncing incorrectly, uh, <laughs> is uh, one of the more athletic tight ends in this year's class. Maybe the second most athletic guy behind Luke Musgrave. And he doesn't get the shine because he was massively under, underutilized in Michigan system. But he's definitely somebody that I could see the Saints really maximizing both as a blocker because he's a very good blocker. And he has the versatility, 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 versatility of a scheme threat or of a seam threat, excuse me, that would work really well in the New Orleans Saints scheme. So I like what he could do as a pass catcher. I like what he has in terms of his athletic attributes. And I love what he has as a blocker as well. So he'd be a fantastic tight end too, right behind uh, Juwan Johnson. So I'm perfectly fine with that. KJ Henry, another guy that I'm perfectly fine with. If I went with Adetomo Adabare in the second round, then I probably wouldn't circle back to KJ Henry here. I would have had to go a different direction. But with Josh Downs, that would have been really easy. And Moro Ajomo, easy there as well, especially because I would have wanted to go with the running back in round three as opposed to the interior defensive lineman. So getting the interior defensive lineman down here and Moro Ajomo, who's really good in the pass rush, really good in the run game, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Now, Sir Roderick Thompson's a really interesting one because he actually has a lot of the tools to make it in the NFL, but he kind of struggled to put it all together dances around a little bit too much, leaves a lot of yards on the field because of all of the kind of like jumping around and lack of vision and things like that. But man, like he does a really good job setting up opposing defenders, uh, making them take wrong angles. He does a great job in terms of his bounce and ability to, you know, turn on afterburners. He doesn't really have breakaway speed, doesn't have a lot of burst, but at his size, 5'11", 217 pounds, somewhere around that area, like he's not a bad option at all, especially in round, in round seven. Really good guy to, to draft and maybe hold on to and see if maybe he develops into something, but you probably still want to address running back in addition to this pick. Now, when it comes to round seven, pick 257, Ben Van Summeren. If I was given the option to take Ben Van Summeren, I would do it. And here's why. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up on the video side, but just to make sure that we're talking through it as well. This is a ridiculous RAS score. This guy comes in at six foot one, nearly six foot two, 237 pounds. So he's got the frame to potentially add a little bit more weight, but he puts up 28 bench reps, 
a 42 and a half inch vertical, which is a perfect 10 on at math bomb, uh, Kenley Plott's uh, RAS score. He has a 10 foot, 11 inch broad jump, which is stupid. A 4.4 unofficial 40 yard dash with elite splits at both 20 and 10 yards. That's okay in terms of the short shuttle, but had a fantastic three cone rate as well. This is a 9.81 unofficial RAS score for Ben Van Summeren. You know who this reminds me of? This reminds me of Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis went into his pro day that he participated in at Utah and was brilliant. And then he did another pro day in terms of his position drills at Idaho and was brilliant. And we started talking about him and kind of being like, this guy might be a hidden gem in the draft. And look what he turned out to be, a hidden gem in the draft. So I, I, I implore you <laughs> to keep up with the name Ben Van Summeren, V-A-N-S-U-M-E-R-E-N is the last name. Make sure to keep up with him because maybe he turns into something that the Saints could potentially grab late in the draft, just like they did with Caden Ellis and just like they did with DeMarco Jackson, right? Like this guy fits the same mold as both of those guys in terms of athletic, just powerhouses. And maybe that could be something that the Saints fall in love with again here in 2023. As always, y'all, I appreciate you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every single Monday through Friday. It's a great pleasure to be here with you every single day. In tomorrow's episode, how much money do the New Orleans Saints have left to spend and where should they spend it? And of course, it's Thursday, so we're breaking down a draft prospect. Let's go a little bit deeper on some of these wide receivers in this year's draft and who could be a good fit for New Orleans early and late. So we're going to break down a couple of different uh, wide receivers as well. For your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino giving you everything you need to know every single Monday through Friday on how to build a successful NFL franchise. Really, really cool stuff uh, on that show. So find it wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Appreciate you as always making me part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.